Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, and I am joined, as always, by my good, good friend, Mr. J.W. Crewall. J.W., how's it going today? Riley, it's going pretty well. Things are running like a smooth, well-oiled machine here at the Crewall household. A well-oiled machine, too. Wow. Happy to report, yeah. Wow. Happy to report. The That's baby's good. been doing good. She's been sleeping all the way through the night. We've been trying a new strat of <laughs> just like Raising feeding. your baby with strats. <laughs> yeah, dude. You got to yeah. try this. New baby strat just dropped. <laughs> yeah. uh, we've been feeding her like a banana. Oh, you've been, you've been feeding her? <laughs> yeah, no. We, we tried <laughs> feeding her, bro. It's insane. You wouldn't believe, dude. Feed, feed the baby goes crazy. <laughs> you didn't let me finish my sentence. Uh, we've been feeding her just before bed. So like a banana Yeah. or some grapes, like right before bed. Ooh, and we, we suspected that she was waking up in the middle of the night because she was just hungry. And that would be that would be correct. She's been waking up in the middle of the night because she's hungry. We've been feeding her a banana or half a banana just before bed sleeps through the night it's been amazing and my wife and i are really happy you know things are going well on the marriage front so uh things are going okay on the job front got a new client that uh is uh, much more um uh, i don't know how how you say mature i guess Mm. so that's very nice that's awesome man yeah the the feeding the baby strat it's going crazy for sure i love that for you. so true so true how are you doing <laughs> i heard you were at a trivia night tonight i was yeah we placed like squarely like smack dab in the middle there were a lot of teams this is was a like a company trivia night so there was a okay. ton of teams um and we placed like squarely in the middle um which i think was give pretty me, good give me a question I'm, I'm actually a trivia buff i feel yeah. like i know a lot of things i did quiz bowl growing up yeah i so one thing I commented on is I felt like, and I feel like I have this problem whenever I do trivia, is the people I surround myself with tend to have, like, pretty overlapping knowledge with me, right? When yeah. you think of trivia, it's never, like, particularly in-depth questions on any given topic. It's, like, high-level questions on a lot of different topics. So um, my yeah, group you guys was, know you guys know all about, like, weightlifting and protein powder and... Yeah, like stuff like that. Like, like weightlifting stuff. and protein powder, um, or like like stupid nerdy crap, you know, yeah, like stuff yeah. like that. Anime and stuff. No, literally, like there's a question on anime and I like got that one or like a question <laughs> yeah. about like physics and stuff, we'd get those. But like uh the questions that stumped us the most were the sports ones. <laughs> uh. uh which is so classic for me. Um so like one that and I actually thought this one was hard personally, like even if you have like pretty decent knowledge but one of the questions was who was the youngest ever uh basketball recruit for the nba uh youngest I, ever it was, was it like kevin garnett wait no youngest ever basketball recruit young what does that mean like the youngest player to ever play in the nba yeah the youngest player to be recruited into the nba that is kind of tough it's it's like i'm a player of recent memory it is yeah or at least okay. that's i had like a vision of hearing this fact before you know i was sitting in the yeah. room i was like trying to pry it from my memory palace yeah uh but i could yeah not. i mean it's somebody that goes from you know that didn't go to college right so i, right, I mean exactly. my immediate guess would have been kevin garnett so clearly that's incorrect but um give it to me i'm, I'm ready to hear it 
I it was Andrew Bynum. He was like 17 oh, years yeah. old. And, oh my gosh. And days when he was recruited. Yeah, totally. Um and so like I just didn't know. <laughs> yeah, that well and he's kind of obscure cuz he was like yeah, a, exactly. he was definitely like a a starter but kind of not well, exactly. for very long. Yeah, exactly. It maybe not worth recruiting him so young. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that one was tough for us. Uh or like History ones were, like, hit or miss for us. Mm -hmm. Um, There's one – this is, like, a really common fun fact is, like, that the, like, Oxford Academy was founded before the Aztec Empire. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was one tiebreaker question in the last round for, like, how many years before it was. So it's, like, Mm -hmm. you know, again, it's a common fun fact that it was before, but how much before. I was – I thought it was about 300 years and it's actually, I was actually really, really close. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like 330 or something. So, wow. um, but that was That's like a crazy. challenge tiebreaker question. You know, it was, a, it was a big mix of stuff. Um, and I, we, again, we did okay, but we just got really blasted in one of the four rounds and that's what took us down. I would say if, if we did as well in all four rounds as we did in three out of the four rounds, <laughs> we would have been in the <laughs> upper tier. Uh, yeah. But that third round really sucked. So yeah, for sure. but yeah, so that that was fun, um, and I was actually talking to my dad on the way home today, and I feel like I I've, I've hit a good stride lately. I feel like I'm doing well in Pokemon. I'm doing well at work. I'm doing well personally with my friends and in Poke and out of Poke. So, um, I'm feeling really good lately. Honestly, that's insane. I know. That's good to hear. I know. I know there have been some you know kind of down times in in years past so sure yeah so this we all have here. them so it's it's but it's been a it's been a really good start to 2023 um and i'm excited for what's ahead <laughs> you see frozen and i i'm just flabbergasted to be honest <laughs> you're you're excited for what's ahead wow yeah man things are wow. going well believe it or not and that's it's a it's a cool place to be, right? Yeah, yeah. So. It's a, don't take it for granted. I <laughs> why do you say it like that? Because <laughs> it won't it for last granted. forever. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure of that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, are you coming to Orlando? By the way, uh, I'm registered. I might not. Go, I but... I know, but it's been like a week, right? So I feel like, you know, we're we're getting closer. Yeah, by the end of the weekend, I'll know for sure. This okay. kind of this my okay. benchmark. Okay. It's just it's like right before a work trip, but I can't connect I it to the work trip. Yeah. So it's just like oh. such a pain, man. Like I have to get back on Sunday and then leave again on Monday. Yeah. Uh, with like no real downtime between. So that's like the real thing that's dragging it down for me. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. I might still go anyway. I would love to get my six finishes just done. I mean, um, the for the adventure. Yeah, and adventure too, of course, or Orlando. Totally. Totally. <laughs> so. But let's, uh, you know, speak to Pokemon cards. Let's go ahead and dive into today here. So for today, we thought we'd do a little bit different of an episode, not really talking too much about the metagame. Uh, you know, we're sort of at a stale phase pre-Crown Zenith releasing. And instead, we would talk more about sort of the state of the game itself. And Shada, why don't you talk a little bit about what we're, we're planning for today? Yeah, state of the game and specifically the state of the rewards or compensation that players can achieve from playing the game 
we've had an absolute explosion, it seemed like, post-COVID of tournaments where every tournament, it's felt like, has been bigger than the last, you know, the last tournament or the last uh, tournament of, of, you know, in that same region, right, uh, if you compare regionally. Um, it's just been crazy how much the game has shifted, evolved, and grown recently. And today we're going to talk a little bit about that and what we think Pokemon can change about the prize structure. Because right now we've seen an increase in player base in general, but we have seen a stagnation in prize support. Yeah, I I think that's a, that's a good summation here. So uh, we're going to quickly you know, talk a little about the problem itself, sort of define our mission here. Uh, and then after a quick ad read, we'll go into a couple different buckets of, of solutions for those problems in, in different areas and talk about what we might do or how we might adjust things in those different, in those different spaces. So, I mean, first and foremost, like JW said, the game has grown tremendously over the last few years. Uh, certainly in 2023, 2023 if we compare the tournaments that we're having in the same region they are much much larger than historically um you know and it's almost left tos unprepared to deal with the size of tournaments that they're having you know you look at san diego where the registration filled up so quickly and so many people wanted to register and even then the venue was still really cramped yeah uh, you know, and it was just because historically like that was always like one of those 600 400 person regionals you know that was what you would prepare for um and now we're looking at you know a thousand people plus want to go to all of these things yeah i mean it seems like that's the new standard when we started the quote-unquote modern era in 2017 you had a lot of these tournaments hovering around maybe 900 players so uh september you had fort wayne and hartford these are some of the first tournaments to feature you know the the cash money prize support um, those had about 800 players then you look into 2018 still kind of that early part of the modern era you had dallas and collinsville about at 1050 players but then jump ahead 2022 2023 arlington about 1200 people toronto 1200 people Orlando is slated to have around 1,300 masters. There's just a significant jump from where we started to where we are now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is just insane the number of players and, um, you know, the competitive fierceness at these events is higher than it's maybe ever been as well. People are much better equipped heading into these tournaments with tools like Limitless and and the online scene now at their disposal. Um, so it is just complete explosion in terms of, of the game here, which is great to see. You know, we at Tag Team are happy to see that the game has grown and, and continues to be exciting and popular. Certainly bodes well for the future of the cast. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, but no doubt. pricing has nevertheless remained stagnant. Um, ever since we made the mid-season adjustment in the 2017-2018 season, uh, we've been really coasting at the the same prizing structure ever since, uh, regardless of the size of the tournament, regardless of the size of the day two, we're we're rocking the same structure. Yeah, um, it's interesting. Pokemon in those early days was a little more generous with their prize support, giving 
uh, players all the way down to top 64 some kind of cash reward. Yeah. And those oftentimes in those days, like top 64 wouldn't even be day two, right? Like that would yeah. be a top 32 cut for day two. And uh, and even if you didn't make it, you'd still potentially get some money. And yeah. now we have quite the inverse of that problem <laughs> where you could have over half of day two in some cases go home with no money. Uh, and that's completely removed from the conversation of CP as well, which is another factor mm. in these tournaments. Um, so we've sort of bucketed this into four categories. Uh, you have travel awards, you have CP, you have booster packs, and then you have cash. Those are sort of the, the carrots on the stick that you chase when you're going to these tournaments and trying to, to place highly. So we're going to talk about each of those buckets. We're going to talk about how we might look to improve them or if they need a change in the first place. Um, and then we'll talk more about the philosophy of maybe why isn't this changing or, or what's the incentive structure for Pokemon to do so. Before we go any further, though, we want to quickly do card day and the ad read now. So that way you have a completely uninterrupted take for all of these pieces here. So, JW, why don't you take us away? Yeah, absolutely. So, when I was a young boy, my father took me <laughs> into the card shop. When, yeah, when he started with when I was a young boy, I was hoping. <laughs> you that... knew, you knew it had to go in that direction, right? Yeah, or like yeah. I would have to force it myself, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, so I would um i had a i had the card shop that we would always go to and we would always you know he, he would always get me he was very good about um indulging my desires without overindulging right so it wasn't like we'd go and you know okay he'd get me a booster box it's like we go and i would pick out one pack <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and then I'd take it home and, and open it. And it'd be great. You know, it's like one pack, maybe two packs if I, if I was a really good boy that day. Um, but there was never anything crazy. If I was getting a lot of Pokemon cards, it would be because I bought them with the money that I got from Christmas or my birthday or yeah. something like that. My yeah, parents yeah. would never really, you know, it might be a theme deck. It might be a pack or two here and there, but it was never anything crazy. But I remember one time we... Um, went to the card shop and picked out a pack of of team uh, or gym heroes and i opened a, a rockets scyther hollow and that card to me uh was so exciting as a kid i think looking back on it the art you know not crazy <laughs> cool like i don't know it's just Fine. it's like those it's like those early pokemon cards where it's just the pokemon and then the background is really abstract uh, nothing really going on there but i remember that being such a cool card with the little rocket in the bottom corner oh yeah and was never able to really use it in a deck i think i ended up either selling it or trading it away in the poker gym forums some you know years later when i got back into the game but uh, rocket scyther was a was a fun one to to pull out of that gym heroes pack growing up that's a cool one, yeah, yeah. I, I really, always really enjoy sort of the uh, the team or the trainer or Pokemon. Personally, they are always a lot of fun. One thing I miss from the Pokemon cards: getting the stats, <laughs> like the HP and the level. <laughs> Lo yeah, and I love seeing the length and the weight. <laughs> yeah, 
the uh the biometrics on <laughs> yes exactly hope they bring that the back. heart rate <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah resting heart rate exactly the, the body pressure. mass <laughs> body mass index please include the blood pressure for pokemon going for <laughs> i'm with you like yeah the missile i liked when pokemon cards had levels on them yeah, <laughs> like level forty-seven. Yeah, it had no. It meant nothing. <laughs> it meant nothing. It was just like who, who even decided, right? Someone like, just arbitrarily, right? Exactly. Is that to pick a number? <laughs> and then you just you like who trained this Pokemon? You know, <laughs> right. they did such a terrible job. The attacks are awful. Right, and it's level like fifteen. Like, yeah, you know, it should what at least know they, like Ember by now. What are they thinking? Those, <laughs> those like scratch. The base set Charizard. Is level 76. <laughs> and it only knows fire spin. Yeah, like, that's so dumb. Yeah, like, come Surely on. Surely it would have a second attack. <laughs> so funny. I, yeah, the levels always crack me up. <laughs> so, super nice. Yeah, that's a cool pick. <laughs> and as we talk about, you know, Pokemon shaving away at our prize structure, we, of course, would be remiss not to talk about our sponsor in manscaped and look folks if you have placed top 64 or lower at a tournament and missed out on prizing in day two you might be a little bit short of that 250 dollars that you wish you had but the good news is we can save you a little bit money <laughs> over at manscaped so, so if you head on over to manscaped.com and use code tag team you can get 20 percent off and free shipping get enough products You'll make that 250 back if you think about it. Yeah, I think that's how it works. It's exactly, exactly how it works. <laughs> yeah, they got plenty of great products over there. I, I actually heard from somebody recently that I was talking to that he was like, low-key, I really love the products, and this is a great opportunity to tell you. We were just ta- cha- uh, chatting on a, on a video chat in Discord. He's like, hey, this is a great time to tell you. I really enjoy the Manscaped products. I copped one a few weeks ago, and I'm like, hey, thanks for telling me that, man, because – you know, we don't see necessarily what you guys, I, and honestly, I don't want to see you use most of the products, um, <laughs> but they're high quality products. They're great products. We've used them for, um, you know, years now, if you think about it, but don't think about it too hard. And we've enjoyed everything. So head on over to manscaped.com, get yourself a, you know, your nose hair trimmer, get yourself some boxers, get yourself some stuff for the shower, make yourself smell good. Head on over to manscaped.com. Use code tag team at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. That's code tag team at checkout for 20% off plus free shipping. Thank you so much to Manscaped for sponsoring the cast. We appreciate your continued support. And thank you so much to you all for checking them out. And with that, GW, I think it's a perfect time to transition over into our buckets here. So we've laid out, just as a reminder, the CP, the Travel Awards, the Booster Packs, and the, of course, Cash Money. Where would you like to start today? Well, that's a great, great question. I think it behooves us to talk a little bit about the pack pricing. Sure. Yeah, so as a refresher for those of you who are unfamiliar, for a regional championship of standard size, you will have three booster boxes. For top eight or higher two for top 16 you'll have one for top 32 uh you'll have 18 packs half a booster box <laughs> for top 64 and nothing below that 
So relatively meager. Um, and one of the things, in my opinion, about booster boxes and, and pack-based pricing is it's one of the things besides CP that uh, an absolute value costs Pokemon the least, right? Yeah. Like they'll retail yeah. for a certain amount of money. Uh, but in terms of like getting just production or, or having the products handy, you know, for all intents and purposes, Pokemon has unlimited that they could give out for purposes of like a regional championship. So I'm curious, like, what are your takes as far as pack pricing? I think the one like prevailing take is I feel like nobody should leave without packs in day two is one of my takes. I think it's, you nailed it when you're talking about how much it, like besides CP maybe, Right, it's... CP is the only thing that costs them less. <laughs> I mean, well, and, and like there's still a caveat on that yeah. too, right? Because if, you know, more players get Worlds invites, that's more kind of welcome kits that the Pokemon company has to... <laughs> I guess pretty... so, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a really nice perk that I think we, you know, we got to give kudos to Pokemon for uh, providing those to players, right? The, the welcome packs at Worlds are really, really sweet. Um, you know, a nice memento in many ways and has a lot of goodies for players that are able to achieve that world's invite. Um, so I don't want to, you know, talk, you know, like it's not a cost there uh, to sure. CP. But um, for the packs, yeah, it, it there's speculation about how much a booster box costs. You know, no one really knows. It's kind of like one of those industry secrets. But you can kind of hazard a guess that if they're selling these booster boxes to retailers or in, in brick and mortar stores for around $70. And those retail stores are marking them up to, you know, what you expect to pay 90, 100, 110, 120, however much it is now. Uh, then, then you could reasonably assume that they're making profit off of, you know, at least selling it for 70 and, and it's probably, you know, or selling it for like 60, right. And make that, um, 10% or 15% off the top and likely much more than that. So with that said, we don't have specific numbers for how much it costs to make a pack of Pokemon cards, how much it costs to make a booster box. But you, you certainly are like looking at just such a, uh, such a, such a reasonable prize to give away to the competitors at your tournaments. That is not cash money. The counter argument, I suppose, I was trying to think of like, well, why don't they give more packs? Because that in my mind is, you know, they control the means of production. Um, you know, it, it's such a, it's such a, it's in, in my mind, it's such a simple thing to just increase and kind of hand out like candy. Why wouldn't they do this? Why wouldn't they increase the packs structure pack pricing and it might have to do with just the logistical problems that arise um i think right now with across all age divisions and through the other games um the amount of packs you know could probably reasonably fit in like a van right uh that someone could travel to originals with and then obviously as you scale that up more resources are, more resources are necessary to bring those physical cards to their end location. So I could see that being one of the arguments against packs as, you know, more generous prizing for packs. But all that said, and you know, I'm welcome to to hear your opinion on that, Riley. But um all that said, packs really feel like the easiest way to uh make someone feel like they have 
uh, you know, achieve something or, or, or allow a player to recoup some of the money that they've invested by going to these tournaments. It, it seems like the easiest way to do that. Yeah, I mean, the packs seem like a like an easy win, in my opinion, to yeah. at least in terms of like public perception and of it all. You know, there's yep. a lot of people who are upset currently about their price structure. I know personally, I very rarely open packs or like very um, sporadically, you know, small amounts of packs. But if I get like 18 packs of you know, rel- you know, effectively loose packs from a regional yeah i'm just gonna crack those suckers and i have a great time doing it as well (laughs) you know i like opening packs i think a lot of people share that sentiment where if they have loose packs they will open those you know and they'll have a great time it'll make them feel good um so to me it seems like a low overhead way even if you do nothing else right even if they don't change anything else about cp or or money uh, which i still think they should do it would just be such great like publicity and like relations with their player base to at least extend the hand and say yeah you made day two have half the booster box have nine packs even you know if you make top 128 have something go home with something um i think that would do a lot uh, of groundwork to to make people feel good um i honestly think at the top end i think the packs are fine as is you know if we look at the top 32 and upwards I think it's fine. Like, I don't think you have to change anything with that. I think it's more just like about, you know, make people feel like they earned something, you know, if they make day two. We've ragged a little yep, bit totally. on day two as like not being an accomplishment. But if you're asking players to like come back and play six rounds, like at least yeah, compensate them, them for bone. their time, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Throw them a bone. Even if they exactly. lost all six rounds, they played it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, this problem as we go into the other quadrants of compensation. Um, or prizes, I guess not compensation because you're not exchanging, you know, in that way. It's not like, it's not like you're, you deserve anything. Right. Um, but as we move into the other quadrants of, of prizes, except for my top eight, Matt, I do deserve that. So actually, actually <laughs> true. Yeah. That's, we got to get to, was it Jimmy's regional? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jimmy Ballard. If you're listening, get this man a top eight, Matt. Pronto. <laughs> but as we look at the other prizing uh quadrants here um you know we'll see that they all kind of work in tandem right like maybe a little sliver of increase in packs maybe a little sliver of increase in cp you know maybe some increase in money like i think all these things kind of work together and the fact that they're all really lacking is i think what makes the player base feel like the prizing is not adequate for yeah it's the cumulative nature of players exactly exactly so um, you know, maybe a little increase in packs, maybe a little increase here and there, tweak it a little bit. I, I think you do make a good point here where if you're making day two, there's a very realistic chance you walk away with nothing, right? If you have an over, uh, over 128 players in day two, more than half of those players go home with nothing other than CP. And I think that's a very quick and easy fix um, that could even, you know, dare I say, could even come out of the TO's pocket. You know, I I think that Yeah, TOs, I mean there's been TOs who have done that. And, and there have, right. And and I think TOs do a lot and they earn um you know, it, it seems like again, I don't have numbers because that's another kind of industry secret. But if we just do math on 1500 players going to Orlando, multiply that by 70, that's over $100,000 that presumably goes to the TO. Now, that, of course, they have to pay, you know, staff and they have to pay uh, for the venue and all these different kind of costs that are associated with it. But 
I'm sure they could get some cheap packs and it might be a nice thing to, to uh, you know, for a TO to kind of incentivize even players to come to their regional. Hey, we pay out, you know, packs down towards the, the, the least of you. <laughs> the least of you. <laughs> Don't say it like that. <laughs> the worst of you, I guess. Yeah, yeah, the very worst <laughs> of you. <laughs> the absolute suckers and buffoons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all on the same page. Like, packs seem like a nice way to get a quick win with the community uh, it's a good feels good for the uh the participants so yeah and i mean for like for players like us we don't really care about packs so let's move on to well, i'd like to get them so yeah i mean they're kind of nice but it's not like you know. yeah it's not why i go to serve it. I just, exactly exactly fun to have though <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the money sure and the travel awards kind of going hand in hand but let's talk first about money yeah. What do you feel like should change about the, the the money structure of these regionals? Yeah, when I think of the money, I think there's a couple problems in place. Uh, first, it seems like top 32 is maybe too low of a bar um, or too high of a bar. I guess it depends on your perspective. <laughs> it's too little of the player base is now getting a payout for their time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we looked at the the period of time when top 64 – was getting paid tournaments were significantly smaller in that like early modern era uh, and if we look at even just compared to a few years ago tournaments are significantly larger now than they were back then mm-hmm. you know proportionally less and less people have gotten money over time you also have sort of the real world context of I've had a lot of inflation <laughs> since we started doing this modern era tournament thing so even the five grand that you're going home with is worth significantly less now than it was a couple of years ago. <laughs> yep. So, you know, there's also that sort of real life context to add to it. Um, when I think of, of the prize structure for cash, I think I kind of have similar thoughts, but I think across the board, we should probably see some increase in cash payout. If we're being like truly in the spirit of fairness, you know, we probably should see on the top end, we should see higher cash payouts and then we should we should see the bottom end extend out Um, i think as a minimum top 64 should probably be getting paid Uh, that was not only the original structure back when they introduced cash pricing but i think it's also just seems like the right bar right now i don't think necessarily day two should auto qualify you for making cash but i think top 64 as a minimum is is probably fair to expect you know in modern day twos it's like half the day two um and that's about the top five percent yeah so that's exactly it it's in the top like five percent of players that feels like the right sort of cutoff to me and maybe there's something like a little fuzzier like maybe it's if you have the same record as top 64 but i think like to me top 64 seems like the direction i would want it to be in terms of that amount of people getting paid out and then i would like to sort of universally see the payout bumped up for these a thousand plus player tournaments yeah, it's just really interesting, right? You look at the outline of the regionals prize table on the Pokemon website, and it goes 1 through 24 players, here's the payout. 25 through 100 players, here's the payout. 101 to 200 players, here's the payout. And then the rest is 200 201 plus. players plus. <laughs> and it's just 
we're we're seeing yeah it's just this stagnation like surely there's a tier at 1300 right <laughs> yeah yeah right exactly it's been so consistent up until then and it just levels off it plateaus uh to to a kind of absurd degree if, if we're looking at patterns here but right. um and also yeah, what I, 100 person regional is there dude yeah it's all it's so obsolete right i mean i maybe you look at like you're, you know, juniors, seniors, that kind of thing. But um, their pricing is a little is, is also different in of itself, though, yeah. right? So like... yeah, exactly. So so very obsolete. Now we're seeing, you know, it'd be absurd to have a regional at 200 players, uh, or less than 200 players, I should say, <laughs> um, which is just crazy to think about. But I I've always been of the opinion that if you're in the top, you know, like percentage wise, I've always thought about, you know, my finishes in terms of percentage of number of players that were there and um it's always felt like getting in that top five percent man that is like so difficult to do and yeah. especially consistently that you know i i hate to say like well it feels like i should be paid more or you know i should get more for that but I, it really does like to have a uh, sustainability behind a, a potential like circuit i think there does need to be a little more given to players that finish in that top 10, top 5%. And here's the thing too, like, you know, in this, it just kind of like building off what you said about, you know, I feel like I should get more money personally as someone who's, you know, placing in these finishes. I don't necessarily even like strongly think that I should be getting paid like a crap ton of money for it. But I think like making top 32, I probably would like to, you know, pay for my hotel and, and the weekend, you know, mm-hmm. like I would want to, that to me is what signals it being a sustainable like activity to participate in this, in this hobby. Right. Like I don't expect every single cost to be paid for if I'm consistently placing like top 32, but I would at least like, like my weekend expenses, you know, to be covered consistently. Yeah. And that's not something you can reasonably expect if you're someone who consistently makes day two and is placing like top 32, top 64, even top 16. Yeah. Um, so, and I think Pokemon does want people to like go to these things. Well, and that's, that's know? the other thing, right? Is, is the, the company has been pretty good recently about um, trying to be more inclusive of players and trying to grow the game in many ways. You know, we're seeing um, examples of this being, the relationship that they're developing with their creators, you know, by giving out products um, and just trying to advertise and get the word out to more people. Um, we're seeing it in the collaborations that they do. There's a Puma shoe collaboration, the Bear Walker skateboard collaborations, um, you know, many others that they're just trying to branch out a bit. And then you're also seeing it in the, um, there's one other really good st- statement that I had here that I'm blanking on, but you're also seeing it in the, hold on. Mr. Come. Nick in the chat with the Crocs. Can't forget the Crocs. Dude, the Crocs. I mean, I, I have mine. Uh, they must got lost in the mail. <laughs> I actually really wanted to order them, but I wasn't able to. So in time. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you're seeing just th- that they want to, they desire to grow the game and yet. Well, I think even more than that, that not to like is, step is on your this. point. Yep. They also do want people to like participate in the circuit, right? You know, yep. you go to these, yep. you go to these regionals, and and they talk about like the storylines of players who have gone yeah, to multiple yeah, of yeah. these. Yep. They have the incentive structure with with the travel awards, which we'll talk about in a second, 
to like encourage people to do this and, and go to as many as possible. Yeah. So, you know, you, other... I was going to say the, the increase in uh, historically the, the world's participation. Oh yeah. 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 Um, so to me, it seems like Pokemon does have an interest mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in like trying to grow the game and have people not only just grow it at sort of like individual regional level, but have sort of a consistent player base that is going to multiple of these events uh, over the course of the season. Yeah. And to encourage that, I think you want to have at least a, enough of a structure where people who are making day two, you know, at least half of them, you know, the top 64 are able to pay for like their weekend. You know, that to me, seems like a good benchmark. I agree. I agree. Because realistically, I don't know that Pokemon necessarily wants like the circuit that magic has in terms of, like a ton of pro players and they can make a living off of placing well in, in these tournaments. I don't Yeah, and I don't necessarily want that either, to be honest. Like Yeah, yeah, and I think that would take the game in a in a direction that's not as casual as I think they want to you know, they're they're kind of walking this weird line, right? Where generally they want to be casual, family friendly, inclusive, and low stakes, but at the same time, you know, people crave competition and they crave the tournament experience and so you're walking just this very unusual middle ground that yeah, that's a good way to put it puts us in these awkward situations right where it's like well do they increase the prize structure do they um you know increase the prize payouts what is what are the implications of increasing prize payouts for uh, for the player base so so i guess to like capstone this my personal proposal would be I would say in terms of like the cash rewards, like all the current ones should probably make one step downwards almost. Um, so like, for example, the, the $500 for top 16 should probably go to the top 32. And then like the $250 for top 32 should probably go to top 64 mm-hmm. and then like have a higher ceiling at like the high end. Yeah. Um, that to me is, is what I would propose. Would you agree with yeah, that? Would you make something different? Yeah, that seems reasonable. I mean, obviously as a advocate, for the players and knowing just the size of the Pokemon company. And if they do truly want to grow the game um, again, like another great example, they've been streaming all of the regionals, at least in the United States. And you know, they never did that before. Like clearly I think it's, it's uh, something that they desire to do. Um, And so, yeah, you know, as much as they can give down to top 64, uh, you know, potentially even farther than that, you know, top 10% maybe getting a cut. Um, yeah, and I'm not opposed to putting it farther. I'm trying to give also like what I think is reasonably yeah, likely. Yeah, I think yeah. What would be the next step? I think you're right. Going down to top 64, um, giving that increment bump, that step up 250 for top 64, kind of back to the the old ways, but then with a higher cap for you know first the first place finisher. I right. think it almost could could shift to what we have for regionals now, since in most case in most cases the United States regionals are bigger than internationals. Yeah, uh, I think it might, you know, uh, it might work to have that prize structure for an internationals be given to the regionals. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of thinking something like that, or something maybe slightly less than international. <laughs> yeah, yeah I think like, I do know they want their internationals to be like the high prestige. As well, well, then, then that's another argument, right? Like increase the oh, prize pay. I don't at, disagree. Right. At I was thinking like seven point five for first international. Mm. Yeah, where I sure. was circling on. Sure. Um, but I do think international should also be higher. Like, I would think 15 for international. 
So in kind of tandem with the monetary prize payout, you also have the travel awards that are given to players. You know, we were just talking about the circuit. Um, but you have these players that are chasing these travel awards that go to what seem like every tournament to try to finish with enough points to be named top X player in their region, be it North America, Europe, Oceania, wherever. <laughs> what? You missed like so few regions at that point. It's, it's odd. You just didn't say them all. <laughs> I didn't want to like, I didn't want to miss one arbitrarily. So I just said, yeah, just, yeah, just cut it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, just cut it before, before I have to like, you know, think again. <laughs> But you have these players that are traveling to all these regionals, all these tournaments, all these you know special events, internationals, to accrue enough points to be in the top X number of players for their different region. And you know there there's something to be said. I think we look at it through an American lens at, and the American player base. Um, I certainly feel like there are changes that could be made in terms of expanding the amount of travel awards that they give to players in in these regions yeah i mean first and foremost i think the number of players is the thing i think of when i think of travel awards um i personally have been in the opinion for quite a while now um well before we even started the podcast that north america should probably be a top 32 region instead of a top 16 region Um, just by sheer quantity of players it seems fair that way or maybe even like top 25 just 16 seems so low uh for na specifically given that we have such a large player base and that's reflected in our regional sizes right where we have so many people going to all of these i think that would also incentivize people um to maybe try and participate that for the first time because i think for a lot of these sort of grinders right the people who do the top 16 chase in north america Many of them are sort of, you know, lifers who have always been doing this and will keep doing it. But every year it feels like there's a handful of people who are able to sort of stumble into it, right, for Mm. one stipend. And they were able to kind of like snowball that into carrying it through the rest of the year by going to all the events. Um, And I think that would be kind of a cool opportunity as well to afford to more people. I think the amount of true grinders who are going to go to all the internationals regardless is relatively small. So if we were to expand, say, the the top 16 to a top 32, uh, I think you'll see those same, like, main character type people. Yeah. But then you'll see a, a smattering of other people who have had really good performances, but, you know, maybe had to miss a regional along the way for, like... Yeah, or just had a really good quarter or spiked. Yeah, or, in... or you know, spiked, like, two regionals in a quarter. They got a top eight and a, and a win, you know, and just... and But weren't able to go to the IC. And, you know, those people now have a chance to try it out for the next quarter and keep going. Um, So to me, I think as a minimum, like expanding the North American threshold from a top 16 to a higher value, be it 25 or 32 would be really awesome. Totally. I I honestly think from a monetary perspective, the amount of money you're getting for the awards is like totally fine. You know? Yeah. It, it feels okay. You know, I mean, there's certainly like, you know, again, it's like, well, you always want more money, especially if you're traveling internationally. But I think, um, it's more so not necessarily designed to cover every cost, uh, but instead just give you an incentive. Yeah. I mean, I think that trip where you otherwise wouldn't, I think the top four is sort of meant Mm -hmm. to be like the all inclusive. And I think that's, that's still enough money to do that. Uh, 
and I think the top 16 is meant to be like we'll get you like most of the way there you know you might have to pay for some stuff but you know you should be pretty good and I think it still accomplishes that goal you know when I think of when I went to UIC last year if I had the uh the stipend for that I would have been like 80 percent of the way there right and I spent a long time (laughs) in Europe so um so to me like monetarily it's fine. I don't think you really have to change it. I would just like to see more people have that opportunity. Yeah. And I think there's something else to be said where it's like with a potential expansion of the travel stipend, you're not going to have everyone redeem it. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. <laughs> that's just, you know, that's just how it happens. You know, you have a lot of college kids playing these tournaments, having, you know, whatever, doing whatever college kids do. You have a lot of working professionals playing this game. And so, it's just not reasonable for them to take that time off work or to travel in that way. So, you know, I think an expansion um, would be good for the inclusivity aspect of the game. Um, but but I also don't see it as something that, you know, will, again, like turn it into any sort of circuit um, and kind of ruin that aspect of, of the, the, the casualness, I guess. Uh, again, that, that fine line that uh, that Pokemon walks with these tournaments. Now, I will say of these things, this is probably the least prudent to change, I think, for like the broader player base. Yeah. But this does affect, you know, people like me, you know, I consistently will fall into that, like just outside of top 16 range. So sad. Because uh, yeah. that's just like, that's the lifestyle I lead, right? Like I'll go to a bunch of these things, but I can't go to every IC. Um, and it'd be cool to like have some more opportunities for me personally, but um, even outside of myself, I know there are plenty of people who fall into that bucket. Um, and it, it's great, I think, in the spirit of what I mentioned earlier about building up those storylines. It'd be great to like introduce new storylines into the mm. game. And I think expanding that travel award threshold would be a great way to do that. Well said. Let's talk about our final piece to this puzzle. And that's CP. I think both of us are pretty... I wouldn't say frustrated with the cp that is currently being awarded to players but it certainly feels disappointing especially in combination with the other prizing right the packs the money cp is something that would be you know uh, aside from potentially having more worlds invitees um, cp is something that uh, feels like it could be more freely given um, and certainly has some aspects of it that just don't really make much sense. I mean, we think about Piper winning two regionals and not having enough CP to go to Worlds. You know, she's still sitting like a top 16, I think, amount of points back from achieving a Worlds invite, which to me just feels really gross, very weird, um, and kind of frustrating, I think, for a lot of players. So... With CP being that final piece to this puzzle, what do you think needs to change? What do you think I should think, change? I think a couple things need to change. Um, to sort of boil it down to a couple buzzwords, I think CP is too low in general, and it drops off too dramatically would mm-hmm. be the two things I think yep. Yep. Uh, bother me the most. So when I say that, I think even at all the way up from first place to top to 56 – I think CP is too low for the really big events. You know, I think CP needs to scale better with size. You know, it, it, it does feel like 
you know, and this is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's just like the final um, kind of thought that I want to put out there is that Pokemon just needs to just reevaluate and say, hey, does this make any sense in all aspects? But it felt like this CP structure was intended for those smaller regionals, right? Which I think is kind of the point that you're getting to. Yeah. It's like it was created five years ago for an overall smaller structure that feels a little out of place and kind of silly now. Yeah. I mean, these tournaments back then didn't have six-round day twos consistently. They didn't have Mm -hmm. more than 40 people in day two. It's just like it's a completely different ballgame now. Um, So – I think at the top end, CP needs to go up, and it needs to kind of, like, trickle down from there. Um, I'm, I've never really completely bought into the argument that winning two regionals inherently should get you a world's invite. Um, but I I do think it's emblematic of the problem <laughs> that, that the sure. CP payout is too low. Sure. Um, so I would increase it all the way down. Like, I think 250 or 300 for first place seems like where it should be for these really large regionals and the same spirit as like the cash there's no reason not to make this like attendance based right like there could be a thousand person threshold where the cp goes up that seems totally reasonable to me um so maybe at a thousand players it's 300 for first place and then you sort of scale down from there you know if you go past i would say top 16 the cp really starts to fall off a cliff quickly it's pretty Um, crazy so, you know, if you're in top eight or better, you're getting 100 to 200 CP. And that's, like, you know, within swinging distance of each other. And then that next 100 CP, just rapid fire goes away, <laughs> you know. Your top 16, you have 80. Top 32, you have 60. And then it goes down the increments of 10 from there down to 30. Um, so, you know, sort of referencing back to the 128-plus person day twos, um, if you are let's say um, in the top 128 after your day two, you're going home with 40 CP and no packs right now and no money right now. Um, 40 CP seems way too low, less than a league cup for placing in the top 10% of these regionals is not fair. There's period in my opinion. So I would say like we should reach a point where you're getting at least like 50. If you're top 128, at least 50 um and then ideally scaling up to and i and you get 40 right now like it's probably closer to like 60 or honestly or 70 you should probably be exceeding a league cup if you're in the top 10 percent. well and and this whole conversation surrounding cp is is very skewed by this and last season where we really didn't have a full season of league cups right so you're thinking about hitting a 500 point threshold for a world's invite which is really the kind of large largest prize right like that that's what um you know regardless of money and uh pack pricing that's what many you know reasonably competitive players are looking to achieve um these are extremely not in sync with a lack of accessibility yeah. for these smaller tournaments these league cups and challenges exactly yeah it's just like it doesn't line up, right? Yeah. And I do want to address something I see in the live chat right now for people watching. Um, you know, I, there's a question, shouldn't you just get an invite for winning, though? And I actually do want to address that. My personal take is I think there should be a threshold at, like, the regional or national level where you just kind of automatically get an invite, and then CP 
you can use for like your top 16s and stuff like that mm-hmm. um, is my personal take like i think if you win a regional you probably should just get an invite to worlds from that and then your cp could be like a separate metric that you use for um for like auto day two things like that and then mm-hmm. for other players like cp is how they get the invite that to yeah. me seems you know and i would put that down to like top four at a regional personally getting an auto invite yeah but you, you didn't you just say earlier that you didn't you weren't well the opinion i, that I two don't think wins. i don't think two regional wins should get you an invite off of cp necessarily like i don't think that argument necessarily make like i would give an auto invite just to anyone who wins a regional right but i don't think the cp necessarily needs to reflect that i guess what okay. i'm saying I right see, like i, I don't think you need 500 like, like, i don't think you need 500 cp for winning a regional but you you could get an invite like i don't care about that necessarily sure sure i see so it's kind of you're you're separating the two in a way yeah like i think the cp should still relatively scale um for the purposes of like the top 16 race right yeah um but I think like it's reasonable to give out an invite completely separate from that for people who place really well at these events. Yep, I agree. If that makes sense, the way I phrase it. So if there's anything to be taken, I think it's just that it's time to reevaluate where we're at with the prize payouts, be it CP, be it the monetary prize, be it the packs. I think there's a lot of things that I don't want to say they're broken necessarily because in a lot of ways they're enough incentive to have players keep coming back. Every tournament, it seems like has more than the last Orlando. Right. And I think that's the, that's the elephant in the room, right? Is does Pokemon and do TOs have any actual incentive to address this feedback? If people are going to continue coming to these events and people are continuing to not only like, attend the ones consistently but more people are coming you know yeah. are they incentivized to do this <laughs> and i guess yeah i guess yeah. the question is almost twofold uh from a business perspective probably not super incentivized um from a like relationship with the community perspective totally like yeah it would make a huge substantial difference I think the other thing you have to weigh is would this draw on more people, right? Would people be more apt to go to more regionals and do this? That's um, honestly a scary thought, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, just think about. I'm also the opinion that we should probably start potting these things at a certain point. <laughs> start potting? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, have like a two regional Orlando regionals, right? <laughs> yeah. I think we're approaching that threshold quickly <laughs> but yeah it's it's definitely getting absurd and i mean I, and this is hard for me to kind of even conceptualize too because i've been playing this game for 12 years now and from where we started to where we are now you could hardly tell that it's the same game if you're just looking at you know what people can win or or, or what how many players are attending it's really remarkable what's happened so far and it only looks to keep going up but you hit it there where it's like if you're the pokemon company why would you change anything why would you change anything and i think you bring up a good point on player relations um it does seem to be as an active community participant it does seem to be like the sentiment from many players from the top players to um players that you know frankly are looking for their first finish that there could be more done and that there could be more um, more given, especially for one of the from one of the largest 
media brands in the world. I think another thing to consider is maybe like immediately there's not an incentive in their perspective as a business, you know, because they are getting this traffic. But what is the long-term impact, right? Yeah. Like if these mm -hmm. people are coming now and they're walking away with nothing and a lot of people are walking away with nothing and they keep seeing the discourse about people being unhappy about it, will people feel like they want to come back? Yeah, yeah, is are we in kind of a golden age in terms of attendance? And will that be the standard going forward? I mean, we have no indication that players would back out, um, you know, that players player base would decrease. But there's always that question, right? If you're a company, uh, how do you increase the goodwill toward your player base or towards your um, customers such that they will be lifelong fans? You right. know, are these players that are coming in trying to, you know, get the clout, get the money, and, you know, aren't really that interested in the game in the long run? Um, is that something that could maybe change with more payout? I don't know. These are questions that are just hard to gauge, and obviously we'll know more in, oh, about five years. But you always want to be growing the player base, and it seems like a good time to reevaluate where we are with that. I totally agree. So – and we've talked about a lot today. I think the prevailing sentiment is we would love to see sort of the, the game structure grow to reflect the growth of the game, I think is, is how we would ultimately put it, right? Yep. As the game has grown, why aren't we growing uh, the back end to match the front end? So all that said, we do appreciate the continued support of you all who listen to Tag Team. <laughs> That's been something that's that's been growing and thriving regardless of the prizes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, cards. yeah, exactly. We we just keep growing and we don't even give anything away. <laughs> so what's the what's the deal with that? Besides 20% off at, at Manscaped.com. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Definitely Manscaped. Right <laughs> and anyone can get that. You don't have to be in the in the top 1% of listeners. You could <laughs> This could be your first episode and you could try it out. <laughs> so. What a deal. <laughs> But seriously, thank you all so much for your continued support. And if you want to participate in the conversation, you can reach us best over on Twitter. If you want to find the podcast, you can find us at Tag Team Pokemon. You can find my account at Smiles with Riles. You can find JW at Real John Walter. We also record live every single week over at twitch.tv slash Munner. That's M-U-N-N-E-R. Uh, we record on 9.30 p.m on weekdays on wednesdays or yeah on wednesday nights <laughs> i just nice. completely fumbled that one uh <laughs> and jw also streams regularly on his twitch channel twitch.tv slash flex daddy righteous same as his youtube thank you guys all so much for listening really can't thank you enough for your continued support and we'll catch you on the next episode peace see ya